0: the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com Steelers and Broncos Hines Field this Sunday pretty much a must win for your Pittsburgh Steelers we're going to keep breaking down these matchups talk some Pittsburgh defense versus that Denver offense in an episode we did earlier you can check that out wherever you find your podcast just look at Steelers Standard check it out just look at Steelers Standard uh, let's look at the Steelers offense we can take a long time to dissect this because yeah. Not, where do you start? There's Tom? a lot to dissect here. Do you want to
1: start at the easy part where you have the least concern, or the hardest part where you have the most
0: concern? Uh, hardest part where I have the most concern. Where the hell are we going to find people to block Von Miller? Right. That's the most concerning Good part luck. about this game. Steelers just haven't been an amazing team as far as protecting Ben Roethlisberger so far this year. They've been one of the best pass protecting offensive lines for the past like five years, including last year where Ben Roethlisberger was sacked. I think the least amount of times of any I think quarterback it was seven or eight in the NFL. Times. He's single pretty, digits. It's pretty much already there this year. Is how many times he's been <laughs> yeah. sacked. Yeah. And listen, I was listening. I was uh, producing the Steelers preview show on DVE last night with Presuta and Williamson, and Presuta was saying, you know, Bengals pass rush not that impressive. Packers' pass rush without Zadarius Smith, not that impressive. Raiders' pass rush improved, not that impressive still. Bills' pass rush improved, still not world-beater status. Now you're facing a dude. Now you got your first test against the dude. Like, we're worried about the Miles Garrett two-time performance this year against the Steelers line. Well, this test is almost just as stiff because you're going up against a, in my opinion, nailed-on bona fide Hall of Famer in Von Miller. And he's playing in Hall of Fame Von Miller form because he's actually healthy for the first time in a couple years. Four and a half sacks already on the season. He's an absolute nightmare to deal with in this uh, scenario if you're the Steelers because... I just have no idea how they're going to be able to even double team him and be able to keep him off of Ben for at least a sack in this game. I, I got Von Miller. If the over under was 0.5 sacks for Von Miller, I would hammer the over in this thing. I got him at least getting one. Tom, I think one is a little conservative for for Von Miller.
1: I mean, I know he won't be playing with his...
0: He's got to be having a blast this week, right? Watching film, is, getting ready for this game.
1: He's not going to have someone... All of the attention will be turned to Von Miller because Bradley Chubb will not be in this game. So that's the only way I see it happening, where you the Steelers may just say we have to triple-team him. Did you see that replay last night at the Rams and Seahawks game where they triple-teamed Aaron Donald and, yeah, he and still, he still somehow got, got to the quarterback? There's
0: an example of that Vikings versus Browns last week. They put two linemen on Garrett and sent the fullback to block him, too, and he just bulled through all three and put Kirk Cousins on the ground So still these guys the can deal with triples, quadruples They can deal with any team that you send them
1: The the, the thing where I pause here With Von Miller comparing it to Miles Garrett And Aaron Donald He's not nearly as big as those two dudes are He's still great and He's I, still really good at getting to the quarterback
0: And even though he's playing in prime form right now I bet that kind of fades down the stretch of the season. He's a little older than both those guys, two years older than Donald, and more well older than Miles Garrett. Still,
1: that doesn't concern me because you're in Week Five. No,
0: this exactly. Is ladder, this is not the
1: latter. This is not the latter part of the season. If he's going to succeed, it's going to be in Week Five against a decrepit offensive line in Pittsburgh. So I think, even though I'm saying he's a little undersized compared to Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald, and he's going to get these double, possibly even triple teams, I think if he gets less than two sacks, Tom, I I'd say that's a good day for the Steelers offensive line.
0: <laughs> if he gets less than two, yeah, that's a win. You'll chalk that up as a, as a big win. What if it's one where he strips sacks Ben and scoops it up himself and takes it into the end zone? What well if that's, then, what, uh, if that's yeah, I mean, what if that's the one? What if that's the one? Yeah. There are a lot of,
1: there are a lot there's of, there's variables, variables yeah. moving
0: around here. Yes. I, he's a game breaker and he absolutely scares the hell out of me. Uh, I guess there's still some hope. Again, we're doing this Friday morning, so we, we don't know exactly yet what the injuries are going to shake out to be. Uh Chooks did participate in practice with that concussion he's trying to work himself back from. Banner was a little coy with the media yesterday when he was talking to them. He was saying, you know, I'm not I can't speak for, you know, I can't tell you guys really anything here, but I feel good. I feel ready. I I feel like I had a really good week of practice. You know, it's the coaches are the ones that are kind of Pulling that leash on me and making sure that I stay reined in, but I'm optimistic that Banner could maybe get a helmet this Sunday, and if he does, maybe you put him back at right tackle and bump Chooks over to the left side of the line where you originally wanted him to play, and you put Dan Moore back on the bench. I don't know if that's necessarily the smartest decision to do, but I think it's the one that the Steelers will pull off, and I'm interested, and I'm willing to try because it can't get much worse than it is right now. yeah, here's
1: the thing is that we said at the beginning of the season you wanted your five starters for the majority of the season to play as long as together as possible. Yeah. I don't know who the best five starters are that you have available to you, so if what you have right now isn't working, then I say if you give Banner the helmet and he's ready to play, I say that. I think that's your best thought. If you go out there and you struggle to establish the run or if Ben is getting hit because of Von Miller or whoever else because Von Miller is taking attention away from someone else, no matter who it is, Ben's getting pressured too much, I say that's what you have to go with. You just have to say, we've tried this. It's not working. We have Banner available to us. I think that's the pivot you
0: make. I agree. I think, yes, you even want Even if it.
1: it's in-game, even if you don't start off with that, that's fine. But if it doesn't work in game, you have to make that pivot.
0: When we were filling in in the locker room with Wolf during training camp, he said, you know, you want to get that continuity with the offensive mm-hmm. line. And I agree with him that it's important. But at this point... Through
1: four weeks, that continuity has gotten a diddly squat. It's
0: gotten you a kiss. So I think it's time now to throw the dice into the Yahtzee Cup, give it about five or six good shakes, and throw them out on the table again and see which combinations you can pull out. And I think... The first combination you try is Banner back on the right side, Chooks back on the left side where you thought they'd be, and you go left to right. Chooks, Dotson, Green, Turner, Banner. And you try that combination out, and you mm-hmm. see how that works. And you're not really shuffling that many decks on the, the Titanic deck. You know what I mean? You're not moving those around. So many chairs on the Titanic deck, excuse me. But, yeah, you're uh, at least giving them a different look. And with Zach Banner... You know they're really high on him. I mean, they wanted him to start last year before he got hurt. He was clearly going to be the starter this year before he was struggling to get healthy enough to play. They think he's a guy at that spot and that especially his run-blocking ability, being such a big mauler type of dude, is going to help establish some more of that Steelers running game and give Najee a little bit more room to operate. So I'm interested in seeing if Zach Banner can get onto the field and seeing what he brings to the equation. But it's a tough, tough test to have to go up against this Denver defensive line, this Von Miller pass rush, and try to have success against one of the best teams in football as your first game of the season.
1: Yeah, I, I,
0: I don't— Best defenses in football. I'm not sure about the best teams in football.
1: No, certainly one of the more elite defenses, and we'll, as we progress, we'll talk more about— the secondary and how that's becoming a unit that a lot of teams should fear and will game plan for when they have a, when they see the Broncos coming up on their schedule. But I don't think that this is the game where you see a breakout performance by Najee Harris because the offensive line has shown no signs whatsoever at improving. I know we said last week was their best performance so far, but that sample size A is small and B – the, the the standard were set so low that anything you got, any semblance of a, of a, res, I can't even call it respectable, a, a, a below average offensive line is something you're going to hold your head high on because throughout the first three weeks, it was bottom two, if not bottom one. So the fact that they got to just below average, that's something of an improvement, even though most of the NFL teams wouldn't want a below average offensive line. But just to just to have the word average thrown in to the conversation about your offensive line even though it's preceded by the word below, that has that's that's the best thing you could hope for with his offensive line because of how bad it was through the first 3 weeks. And it's such a shame because Najee Harris I think is capable of having a breakout week almost any week with it below average to average offensive line. It's just he hasn't had that available to him. So even though he's, even though he's been improving week by week, I don't think that this is his breakout performance of the season up to
0: this point. Yeah, it's a tough team to have that breakout against. Exactly. I mean, I know that the Ravens ended up getting their 100 yards on the ground at the end of that game, and the streak survives another week. They are now tied with the 70 Steelers at 75 straight games with 100 rushing yards at least, but Denver made them do a very questionable, risky play at the end to get that 100 yards. Let's and put then, it this way. They basically held that prolific Ravens offense running a football yards. during the football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though they lost pretty handedly at home, they did not let the best running football team in, in the NFL for the past couple of seasons do much on the ground against them uh, at Mile High Stadium last Sunday. So... Yeah, I'm not expecting Najee to have a big breakout performance, and I don't think that it's really worth criticism if he doesn't because it's just such a, an elite mm-hmm. running defense that the Steelers are going to have to go up against. Just a quick note on Banner before we move on. Uh, he has to be part of the active roster within 21 days since rejoining practices while he's on the IR. If he is not, he has to go back onto IR for the rest of the season. Banner practice last week and did not get A helmet against the Packers He practiced again this week If he does not get a helmet against the Broncos He's got one more week to Have a shot at this before you lose Him for the rest of the season so You're not in dire straits yet but Tick 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 Things are starting to you know go downhill a little bit as far as Zach Banner's 2021 season is concerned. I think you do see him. If you don't see him active against the Broncos this week, I think you definitely see him active for the Seattle Seahawks game, especially just with the vibe of how he was talking about how close he seems that he is in his own mind. So if it's anything, the coach is just precautionary, keep him out one more week. And then play him. So I don't think you're worried about losing Banner for the year.
1: No, I don't think you are either. But I think it's unless he comes so back and gets hurts again. But
0: but that's <laughs> I think it's so. That's ironic, another story though, for another day.
1: As you mentioned when we were talking with Wolf on on his show, continuity is so important. But right now we're talking about oh what what a saving grace it could be to put Dan Moore back on the bench, move Chooks from right to left, and then put Banner at right. That 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 blows up your continuity right there, and we're saying we're saying to ourselves, oh, how great, how helpful can that really be for this offensive line to switch it up, to to not not blow it up, but to switch it up, to to bench to move one guy to your bench, to promote your one guy who hasn't played a single snap all year, uh, and then move your one tackle all the way across the offensive line to the opposite side. That that is as big. That's a three man switch that you're making, and. We're saying how helpful that could be compared to what most other teams are saying would look at that and say, well, you can't do that because you're, you're messing up the, the chemistry and the continuity. It, it's a recipe for disaster. But we're saying because of how bad the offensive line has been so far, how helpful that could possibly be.
0: Looking at some other guys on the injury report. My eye turns to the wide receiver core, and there are three names on this injury list so far. Juju Smith-Schuster with that rib injury was a full practice on Thursday, so things look a go for Juju again this week against the Broncos. Chase Claypool kind of showed up late last week with that hamstring injury. He was a limited practice again on Thursday, so things are getting a little tight for Mr. Claypool uh, again as we head closer and closer towards Sunday. Here's one that's really upsetting and surprising though. His replacement Chase Claypool's jo- James Washington. He popped up on also- the injury report on Wednesday with a groin injury Jacob. These groin injuries are contagious over there on the south I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, his practice status was up in the air for Wednesday. There's just a little parentheses with a dash in the middle of it. Not a DNP so I guess that means he didn't practice and then limited on Thursday as far as his practice participation goes. So if you base being limited on Thursday on them looking doubtful for Sunday, you're down two wide receivers with Claypool and James Washington. Right. So it's Juju, Deontay, and Ray Ray McLeod. That is not the best that's fun, right? unit of that's, wide that's receivers. That's fun to have at your disposal. You know what? You're starting to look a little Denverish. You know what I mean? Like you're starting to look a little Denverish with all these receivers being out. Of course, Washington and Claypool could still little, play.
1: Yeah. And I think that. The guys you have available, even though you're depleted, the guys you have available to you are better options than the guy that Den- the guys that Denver has available to them.
0: Yeah, Cortland Sutton's good, but other than that, I mean, Noah Fant's a tight end, so you don't really count him. And Tim Patrick, sounds like he should be playing hockey or something like <laughs> that. I don't know who really that guy is. I'm just being honest with you guys out there. I don't know who Tim Patrick is, okay? Sue I really me. don't either. Sue me, all right? You don't know it either out there listening to this podcast, so quit judging us right now. But— I just, you're struggling to get things going in the passing game anyway. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger has his share of the blame of that, but I think the receivers have been poor as well. I think, you know, their routes could be a lot crisper. I think that they could be um, more committed to their route tree. And I think that they could be getting a little bit more separation. I think you saw some separation against the Packers more than you had in previous weeks, but I still think you could be getting more separation there. And,. You're losing Chase Claypool against the Packers. That hurts. But then you lose the guy who we were saying mm-hmm. all off season you don't trade because he's so valuable to plug in when a Juju's out, when a Chase is out, when mm-hmm. a Deontay's out. But now he is potentially out himself. Uh, you, you can afford to miss one of the top three because of a guy like Washington sliding in. You cannot afford to miss two of those guys in uh, that top four of that receiving room no. because – Ray Ray's just not an option to really be a feasible replacement. But you've seen
1: him be an option in the past as recently as last week. And hey,
0: maybe it actually helps Ben because Ray Ray runs those really short routes, screen passes, jet sweeps. You know, maybe he is more conducive to Ben's style of not throwing down the field than a. Then
1: a elite playmaker like Chase Claypool or James Deontay Washington, Johnson. yeah. James Washington, I think, you, is the one guy you can live without. But if you're a gang without Chase Claypool, I mean— Then he's
0: all of a sudden not the guy you can live without. Cause...
1: A lot a lot of comments you, you saw from Ben Roth— or critics you saw of Ben Roethlisberger when he missed Juju on that route. The, the one specifically earlier on in the game was if it was Chase Claypool, Claypool is big enough and fast enough that he could have caught up to that ball. Or at least had a better chance than juju was i'm not saying if chase claypool plays in a game it's a different outcome but i think you're gonna need someone like chase claypool because this secondary in denver is one of the better if not a top five top three secondary in the nfl right now you're gonna need all the offensive help you can get to beat those guys in the secondary for denver
0: oh No question. I I think there's no question about that. Uh, Speaking of that secondary uh, of the Broncos, you know, we mentioned how the Ravens weren't able to really get much going on the ground against Denver. Well, the Broncos were really selling out to stop the run, as you probably should against the Baltimore Ravens, but it left the back of the field a little bit vulnerable. And the Ravens' game plan was to attack down the field. 12.7 yards was the average depth of target from Lamar Jackson and... Hit the home run pass to Marquise Hollywood Brown, too. It, it
1: wasn't even that long. It was only, I mean, yeah, it's still long, 50-yard pass. That's a home it was, run. It was all in the air, and what a diving effort by Marquise
0: Brown. From a guy who dropped some layups the week before mm-hmm. in the end zone. Great, not, just
1: the, not just the week before. He's been doing it his whole
0: career. Great catch from Hollywood Brown there. Uh, but, yeah, they decided that you're going to sell out to stop the run. Well, we are going to bomb the ball down the field. And they had a quarterback that can do that, Lamar Jackson. So with Denver this week, you know they come up and they really commit to stopping the run. They're not only just committing to stopping the run by stacking the box, but as you've found out, if you've been paying attention to the Steelers since about the midway point of last season, teams stack the box to stop the pass. I mean, that's a bit of an oxymoron when you're talking about the NFL, but that's absolutely what happens. They stack the box with the idea of stopping the pass and then when the Steelers do run the ball, it's almost like a surprise, but the defense is already in the spot to stop them because they're already stacking the box. So the Steelers' inability to push the ball down the field, like the Ravens did to kind of open things up for against this Denver defense, that's not going to be here in this game. Ben Roethlisberger averages a depth of target around 6.6 6 or 6.7 or something like that one of the worst in the NFL. I mean, he's down there with Matt Ryan and Andy Dalton as far as his average depth of target is concerned. So you're not really testing that Denver defense. You're not really stretching them out at all because they're just going to be able to stack that box and stop both the run and the pass. So you got to try to get things going downfield, but that's we've been saying that all year long. And all preseason long. Need to throw the ball downfield more. Need more explosive plays. And what
1: they do is they do it once or twice a game. Right. And it works one time. Rarely it works twice because, I mean, you saw it on, on full display last week. It, it happened on the first drive to Deontay Johnson. It didn't happen throughout the rest of the game. Should s- have happened again on the juju play. Ju- should have happened Two again. different plays to juju. Well, the the, the happened. one should have been a touchdown. No one question. easily should have been a touchdown. And I had said earlier how— if Chase Claypool enters that game or plays that game, that doesn't necessarily change the outcome. But you pair what should have been a touchdown with Juju with the the block kick that was called back; those plays affect the outcome of the game. You combine, you could say one or one of the two, maybe, but both of those go your way. I think it's a completely different ball game.
0: No, I I think so too. Uh, those are. Humongous momentum changers that you just didn't, you know. Tomlin talks about splash plays all the time. Well, those were two cannonball type of plays that the Steelers just one they couldn't execute on Juju, and the other they got kind of effed on. I mean, he was onside. I mean, Joe Hayden was onside. That's pretty clear if anybody who's watched the tape. But you got to be able to overcome things like that, and the Steelers just simply weren't able to. What? Optimistic viewpoint, what's the most points you think the Steelers can score? Optimistically. Remember I said that. So like what where so where's the best their, case scenario? What's their ceiling? Their ceiling I would still say is seventeen. Seventeen. It's not much higher. Well, only two teams in the NFL have failed to score at least seventeen points this year on offense. And that's the Steelers and the Jaguars. Correct. Not great company to be keeping if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I think that they can get to twenty.
1: Ah, Tom.
0: I think they can Why? get to twenty. I don't this know. Is, I really is don't know. This the best
1: defense they faced all year long, and you're saying this is the week they get to 20.
0: I think they can get to 20. See that that's, two touchdowns, two field goals. Uh, I think they can do it.
1: See, I said optimistically 17, and that yeah, that's me
0: being optimistic. 20, that's
1: three scoring drives. I think four scoring drives. Even if even if I said 12 points, th- four field goals, I don't see the Steelers' offense having four scoring drives. Oh, man. That's the problem I have with your 20.
0: Okay, well, what if I say to you— Three
1: touchdowns and a missed extra point?
0: Not that. No, they're not scoring three touchdowns. Don't be insane. Don't be a crazy person. Well,
1: you're saying 20 points and and less than four scoring drives. That's how you get there. Two
0: tutties and two field goals. But what if one of those scores comes off the defense, forces a fumble, gets a pick in Denver territory, and even though the offense doesn't move a single yard, Boswell's already in field goal range. Or say they get the ball on Denver's 10 and— even the Steelers can't screw that up, hopefully. Yeah,
1: so, I think they still screw it up, Tom.
0: Well, either way, you're coming away with at least one of those two field goals that I said there. So I think the defense has to do some heavy lifting as far as setting them up in favorable territories in this game in order for them to put points on the board. I don't think you're going to see many drives starting at their own 25 even and going uh, 75 yards to Bader. I, don't, I don't see time.
1: that. or I don't know at what point in the game it was. We Let me first...
0: rephrase that. I don't see that happening more than at least once—a full field drive.
1: Yeah, no, that that's yeah. you're gonna see it one time and one time only. That's what you've seen all season long. Uh, you saw it, <clears throat> excuse me, in Denver or sorry, in Buffalo. I don't know if you got one for the Vegas Raiders game, but you got one in Cincinnati uh, that last drive of the second half, and you got one on the first drive of the, of the Green Bay game. But I remember watching the Green Bay game and, and seeing on the bottom ticker or one of those stats pop up that one of Oswell's short field goals, uh, the Steelers had entered the red zone. And up until that point, the Packers, when allowing a team to enter their red zone, had allowed a, had allowed a touchdown on every single one of those possessions until the Steelers got there <laughs> and had to kick a field goal. Now, we know later in the game they got that touchdown off of Najee Harris, but that was in garbage time Didn't really count I'm not giving that Any credit whatsoever I think if that's in real football time I don't think the Steelers score From, from the red zone I, I think it's still a field goal But that's why I don't think that As you said Say the turnover comes And for the the Steelers force a turnover And they the, the offense gets the ball On like the 15 yard line 10 yard line I don't know if it's enough
0: I really don't Tom It's the dire straits that the Steelers offense is in That we're sitting here and questioning Can they get to 17-20 points if can, if they recall, s- can they have four scoring drives That's what we're hung up on right now
1: If I recall correctly The Steelers have had three scoring plays That came from being in the red zone The miracle of, a, of the Deontay catch um, That was in week one Najee Harris's touchdown catch, I think, came right outside of the red zone. I think it was like a 21 yard touchdown reception. So you can't count that.
0: Garbage time against the Packers. Garbage time Najee's against the Packers. And
1: then the Pat Frying with touchdown. Yes. That came against Cincinnati off that, long, off that long touchdown drive. So only three times have you entered the red zone and actually converted it into a touchdown. That's why I think. Unless you're in the, unless you start the drive you're on the in the, one end, yard zone, line. No, in the end zone, <laughs> I don't see it converting into a guaranteed touchdown.
0: Even if they're on the one yard line, they might throw a, a swing pass seven yards in the backfield to Najee that gets sniffed out. They just out. might, Tom. That uh, Pat sniffs out and tackles him for a loss. You can't
1: throw it out because they've done it every week so far.
0: Seems to be their go-to play in short yardage situations or must – short yardage is the wrong term to use. Must have downs. <laughs> that seems to be their go-to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Man, it's it's tough times, man. I mean, when, you, when you're struggling to convince yourself that they could have four scoring drives, two of them being field goals in my mind. I don't – I, I, I just don't see it. That's why I said
1: 17. I think three is their is their is their max for scoring drives. And I said optimistically, you're not gonna get three touchdowns. You're gonna get two touchdowns and a field goal. But I still think that's best case scenario. I think you're more likely to see one touchdown, two field goals, if not nine points in total, three three field goals. I just don't see anything better. I don't I don't I don't see them being capable of doing of doing anything better than that. I don't see them pushing the ball down the field like they, they, like they haven't had the ability
0: to do all season. Big Ben's performance is obviously the straw that stirs the offense's drink, and he's been less than adequate, to put it lightly, the past couple of weeks. He said this week that a lot of the mistakes he's making are, are fixable. He said this week that a lot of the problems that he has, you know, he can... He can lower bodies in the wrong position. He can fix the accuracy problems. The only thing that Tomlin said he can't fix is his mobility. Well, I think he's going to have to be pretty mobile in this game against the Denver Broncos. So if you're if you're looking for a, a game where he does you know correct some of those mechanical errors and he does start to turn back the clock a little bit, I don't know if it's coming against the Denver Broncos because mm-hmm. the pass rush is just too elite. And by the way, I just
1: fact checked myself. It was a twenty five yard pass. From Ben to Najee Harris in that uh, Oakland Raiders game and we know how that play began it was just a a normal check down pass for Ben and it was Najee who took it the other 22 yards of the house so three touchdowns Tom on the year three touchdowns through four games that you've actually gotten when in the red zone so I, I just don't see this offense being able to convert on short yardage situations even if they're presented with one by the defense that's how little confidence I have in this offense moving forward
0: That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving myself and Jacob Recht a listen. For Jacob, I am Tom Opperman, and we will talk to you guys on our next edition of the Steelers Standard.